0: Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Scott Pace to the podcast. Dr. Pace serves as associate professor of pastoral ministry and preaching and as associate director of the Preaching and Pastoral Ministry Center at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Dr. Pace, welcome to Preaching and Preachers.
1: Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's good, to I uh, have you in the studio today. The studio today is my hotel room right. uh, in Dallas, Texas. We're here for the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're right. here getting to record a few podcasts while I'm here. And I've enjoyed getting to know you the past several years. We yeah. had you, of course, on campus in chapel last year. And uh, also to appreciate your your classroom and your writing ministry as well. And so, man, it's good to have this conversation. Absolutely. Today we'll be talking about the pastor and sermon preparation and really building the uh, the conversation out from a book that's been recently released, uh, Preaching by the Book, Developing and Delivering Text-Driven Sermons by you, Scott Pace. And that's this mean. was done through the OBU, the Hobbs College Library Series, which is just an attractive, uh, really well-done series you guys have put out there. All right. uh, even as I say, that I reminded you, of course, in tr- are in transition from OBU to Southeastern. So perhaps on the front of the conversation... Ah, uh, give our listeners a word of a update on you and your ministry and your family and what sure. you guys are up to these days.
1: Yeah, we've um, it's been a, a whirlwind of experience over the last couple of months, but um, yeah, God's called us from OBU where we've served for the last nine years now um, as the chair of the Applied Ministry Department there, teaching, preaching, pastoral ministry, Next Gen Ministry courses, and then we're going to be transitioning to Southeastern. Actually, this summer we're in the midst of transition right now, um, and we'll be here, be there this summer. Uh, and begin this fall, uh, teaching some of the same courses, preaching, pastoral ministry, and dabbling in some next-gen uh, type of stuff.
0: And you did your PhD at Southeastern. I did. And your MDiv?
1: I did. Both okay. uh, Both of those were done at Southeastern and got the privilege of studying under uh, Dr. Aiken uh, as my heard mentor. Mm-hmm. And my PhD. So, yeah. yeah. You heard of him once <laughs> or right. twice, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's a good
0: friend, of course, right. and colleague. And you're going back to North Carolina. That's where you're from. And, and your, your wife as well. Yep. And yep. so,
1: so our four kids and of course the grandparents are delighted. Ah, oh, good for yeah. you. Yeah.
0: Well, hey, listen, let's um let's just get into the topic today, the pastor and sermon preparation. Again, we're building this out from your book, Preaching by the Book, preparing and delivering text-driven sermons. Uh, give us the background on the book. What prompted you to write it? What are you trying to accomplish? So sure. forth.
1: Yeah, when you look at this book and really the whole series as a whole, but this book in particular. It's designed for um, pastors who have been serving faithfully in their churches but maybe never had any formal training, or even for pastors who have been um, formally trained but looking for something that they can mentor other young aspiring pastors and preachers. They can help develop their skills and kind of walk them through some introductory level. It's very foundational, uh, and yet there's some uh, you know tools of the trade, I think, that will benefit preachers of all levels of experience. Uh, in particular, there's a couple chapters like on the introduction uh, and the illustrations uh, and the invitation that are really pragmatic. They're practical. They're meant to help preachers think through some of those nuanced areas of preaching that uh, unless you actually walk through them, you just really learn by experience most of the time. And experience isn't always the best teacher. You know? um, it can be a great teacher, but sometimes we, learn, um, we don't learn anything by only what we know and how we um, kind of shoot from the hip and fly. So uh, those are some some chapters that I think will benefit really preachers of all experienced levels. But the book's really a foundational um, primer on preaching.
0: And so as it relates to the book itself, you begin talking about different sermon preparation methods. So Mm -hmm. I guess help size that up for us.
1: Right. Yeah. um, In this particular book, and and all sermon methods aren't necessarily created equal. You know, when you look at different uh, historical renowned volumes on preaching, uh, different ones have strengths and weaknesses. So sometimes the strengths are on the hermeneutical side. Sometimes the strengths are on the maybe applicational or pragmatic side. And this was meant to be kind of a blend of both. And so there's a a, a sermon prep method in there that's trying to be holistic, considering everything from the theological underpinnings of preaching to the the spiritual preparation of the preacher, but then to the pragmatic of exegetical study and walking through the different steps. And it's a seven-step process that attempts to be balanced and not experience some of that imbalance that you see sometimes in preaching books.
0: And so why end of the book on preaching?
1: Right. Well, exactly. There's there's plenty of, of methodologies. Um, again, the goal was to, to aim at that target audience that sometimes they feel, man, a huge volume on preaching can sometimes be overwhelming, especially with the target audience we're looking at. Uh, sometimes experienced pastors don't have a lot of time to, man, I can't really unpack another 300-page Volume or a book on preaching, uh, but here's a here's a book that they can manage uh, and, and learn from and grow from, as well as somebody who's not experienced uh, isn't easily intimidated by you know this book It's very practical, street level you won't find a lot of footnotes on all the pages um, it's It's just kind of straightforward and foundational
0: so for you, um, how would you characterize your particular approach to the pulpit?
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, expositional, if we can use that term, there's a lot of different ways that can be defined, and we see some some fluidity to that term. Uh, But uh, for me, I think pulpit ministry has to be approached really from a long term perspective. I think pulpit ministry is an anchor for uh, pastoral ministry. And for me, uh, I think it has to be approached from primarily a theological conviction standpoint. So, what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about the church, what we believe about everything from God and Christ and salvation and humanity, all those things theologically inform our perspective of preaching. And so when I look at pulpit ministry, um, it has to be a long-term view. Uh, It's that which kind of has an impact over periods of time. And too many times I think we take a short-term approach to preaching without understanding all that goes into it. And I think we can shortchange our people when we do that. So really taking a, a kind of a career approach uh, to preaching, but for me, I think the theological underpinnings are foundational to anything and everything you then do in preaching derives from what you believe about those things, and those are uh, embedded within the book.
0: So we're talking about the topic of preaching on a podcast entitled "Preaching and Preachers," and I would 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 assume that the vast majority of listeners of this podcast are keenly aware of, can keenly concerned about their sermons, right? How they preach, sure, what they preach you take us a bit further upstream to be concerned about the preparation for those sermons. Mm. So I guess make the case why preparation, in a sense, is more important than the sermon that's preached itself.
1: You no, know, There's a lot of truth to that because um, so many times we're focused on the event itself and don't really um, give the, the right emphasis on what's necessary to properly prepare. And there's, there's a couple of dynamics of that. Obviously, there's the preparation of the preacher himself, um which if you in the in the book itself that's step one right it, We're we're praying for help and we're preparing our hearts that so there has to begin with prayer and so we have to prepare our own selves spiritually uh to be a vessel of honor useful to the master as paul told timothy uh, and then spiritually we have to be able to hear and discern the voice of the holy spirit as he guides and directs our study so there's the preparation of the preacher and then there's the development of the sermon and both of those have to go hand in glove if you will and so Uh, For me, people sometimes want to avoid the preparation or kind of put it off or just go through their simple normal routines, whatever fits with their schedule. And it does a disservice to, and it is a commentary on what we really believe God wants to do in the heart of the preacher before he stands before his people. And so we have to give due attention to that. I look at kind of the exegetical and the hermeneutical work almost as homework, but that homework is the hard work that allows the Lord to do the holy work. And so if we're not prepared and able to be used and ready to be used and, and devote ourselves to the preparation of the text and the sermon, then we can't really expect God to fully use the message itself in the heart of the people.
0: So in your book, you you lay out and advocate for a, a seven-step process of sermon preparation. Mm-hmm. Can you unpack that for us?
1: Sure. Yeah, it, it starts right there where we said it's got to begin with the, the heart of the preacher and preparing and, and leaning on the Spirit for help and the hermeneutical study. but then the seven steps, they're really – foundational, but they take you through uh, the basic elements. So in, in step two, you say, well, read the passage. Well, that sounds generic. Of course, I'm going to read the passage. But we talk about reading it casually, getting a glimpse, zooming out, just reading it over, just immersing yourself and submerging yourself in the text, becoming familiar with the train of thought and the flow, kind of the dialogical pattern of the biblical author, and just sensing what it's about. But then you want to read it carefully. And that's where you're zooming in on details, identifying things that stand out, we transition that from there into step three, which is about discovering the point. Uh, traditionally, homileticians have called that, you know, the the textual idea, or there's lots of different terms they use, but the main idea of the text, and trying to to narrow that down, summarize the main idea, and then simplify the main idea. What is the main idea? And then you go into more of the exegetical study in, in step four, where it's all about uh, kind of identifying the supporting precepts and walking through the significant words, that's the traditional exegetical part. And then step five really is one of the, again, uh, what I want to say is a a more unique contribution to the book as it relates to the field of preaching, the theological, uh, doctrinal, and practical truths of the passage and allowing those to formulate, and, and we can talk about some more of that, but as you identify those, those will then spill over to or transition into application, which is step six. And then step seven is actually pulling the sermon itself together. So again, it's kind of a holistic approach just in seven uh, short, simple steps uh, and ones that I think most people can understand and and know, okay, this is what we're doing.
0: Hey, Scott, let's pause just for a second for a word of update from Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment, passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry contact. Come be a part of one of the fastest growing seminaries in North America, as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu mdiv today. All right, I'm back with Dr. Scott Pace. We're talking about Preaching by the Book, the Pastor and Sermon Preparation. Yeah, so let me push you a little bit and unpack these each one of these seven steps a touch more thoroughly for mm-hmm. our listeners. Sure. So step number one you argue is to begin with prayer, prepare the inner person. Why do you have that as the first point?
1: Yeah, um, you know, as I mentioned, Paul said to Timothy that, that God desires, he's got vessels of, of use. And um, he he said in 2 Timothy 2 that God desires to use vessels of honor that are sanctified or set apart. Um, you know, we have to remove not just distractions, but maybe even impediments that would be in the way from us hearing the Spirit's voice and from us even imposing our views or our perspectives or our experience or how we feel about a church member that week or whatever it may be uh, into the interpretation of the text. So, Uh, it's really about stripping away as many of those presuppositions whether those be sinful presuppositions or just uh, subjective and and situational presuppositions stripping those away and allowing us to hear the spirit uh, speak and so i I think you have to start there and we just almost assume that most of the time in sermon preparation that's just kind of an assumed part oh yeah we're doing a spiritual work but we rarely take the time to invest on the front end the spiritual preparation of our hearts that's necessary
0: and so secondly, read the passage, which mm-hmm. I love how you frame that up, the zooming in, the zooming out, right. casually, the more technically. Mm-hmm. Talk about what one discovers as yeah. they read the passage.
1: Yeah, I think you'll see um, different points of emphasis. You'll hear the voice of the biblical author the more you read the passage. Too many times I think we're prone to to read especially if it's a familiar passage, a New Testament epistle, something that most preachers have just read countless times throughout their ministries, and we just kind of begin to lazily assume we understand or are familiar with the passage, but reading it over and over allows you to hear the inflection of the voice behind the text, and as God speaks and as the biblical author writes, all these things begin to come out. You also begin to notice different words or phrases that are repeated, different points of emphasis or inflection or even transitional phrases. All those types of things begin to stand out and hopefully brings and allows the that main idea to bubble to the surface, which is then the next step, right, where it's kind of discovering that main idea.
0: So. The third step: discovering the main idea, the main point, referred to as you know the central idea of the text, right. the main point of the text, the big idea. Right. Different homiletics books frame it up a different way. Talk about how essential that step is.
1: Listen, that is the key that unlocks everything else in the text, as you well know. And and um, you know when you are able to identify that one main, what we might call even meaning of the text, what's the the central idea uh, of that passage? Everything else from the sermon is going to just springboard from that gonna satellite that's the satellite truth and everything else is going to emanate from that and even as you go through the rest of the sermon preparation you'll be able to funnel all the verses through that one central truth and so sometimes if you misidentify the truth uh, you'll get into the later sermon steps of preparation and you're like you feel like you've got that car that's that's the alignment's out and you're constantly trying to steer it back into place like you're trying to stay in your lane. Like why does this feel like I have to force it so much. And sometimes, a lot of times, it's because we've misidentified what that central truth is. I think some other times we come to the text and we we have an idea of what we want to preach on, and we allow that to then determine how we preach the passage rather than allow the passage to determine what that main idea of that sermon should be. And so really identifying the main idea is crucial. It's the key that unlocks the rest of the treasure.
0: Yeah, for me, when my wife asked me, what are you preaching on? And I can state the text. Right. And then she says, well, what's it about if I can state then in a sentence or two the main idea? I mean, that's a significant threshold to have crossed. I mean, you, you, right. you're feeling, you know, if you got that down on Wednesday or Thursday, you're feeling pretty good. But if, if it's Saturday and you can't give that answer, <laughs> no, you are right. in trouble.
1: Well, and, you know, as the, the, the traditional saying says, a, a, a mist in the pulpit will be a fog in the pew. Right. I mean, if we can't clarify what's this text talking about, our people are going to leave Sunday mornings with a vague understanding of whatever that passage was. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
0: So... The, the fourth step, you say, you argue is studying the parts. Mm-hmm. So flush that out a bit.
1: Yeah, that's, that's breaking it down. That's the exegetical study where you're going to look for the significant words and the supporting concepts, uh, whether that's repeated terms, verbs, uh, terms of impact, uh, concepts or phrases that modify or complement, supplementing the main idea, what they're saying about the main idea. Oftentimes, this is where you get into those reporter-type questions. Once you've identified the main idea, it's, what about the main idea, when about the main idea, the who about the main idea. You're answering those reported type questions that are going to complement and supplement uh, the main idea. And that's where you'll get into the word studies, the lexicons, even the, all the more technical aspects of exegetical study, which isn't something that we delve into much in the book because there are so many books on, on preaching that walk through that or even hermeneutics books that walk through uh, that process. But that's what that involves. And what we try to focus, or what I try to focus on in this book is uh, how those funnel into the main idea, how to make sure that whatever details, because we can get so distracted by the details, that now all of a sudden we've called attention again away from the main idea, whereas if we can see how they fit together uh, and funnel through that main idea, then it, it gives clarity to the whole passage.
0: And are there any particular tools you're using at this stage to be of help?
1: Yeah, I think this is where you would introduce everything from lexicons to commentaries and begin to see what other people are saying about the text, what details did I notice when I read through the text and made some initial observations, um, and, and what are other people seeing, what should I be calling my attention to, or what did I miss. Um, and then un, un, discovering, and this is this is really a, a step of discovery, not where you're first identifying that main idea, but you're discovering some of the richness of the text and the 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 treasures that you just want to expose for the people and kind of give us that sense of awe and wonder of the biblical passage. And so, um, yeah, at, at that point, that's where you're introducing all the tools of the trade that we're typically familiar with.
0: The fifth step, you argue, is to uh, identify the precepts. Now, what in the world do you mean by
1: that? Yeah, the precepts are these um, the, the timeless truths of the passage. Now, some preachers may refer to those as principles, but we've seen some flaws in principalization when it comes to preaching. Um, when we talk about the the precepts, I'll walk through three in particular, the theological, doctrinal, and spiritual. The theological basically just asks the question, what does this text tell me about the character or attributes of God? So I kind of describe in the book that you should be able to complete the statement, God is dot, dot, dot. There's a truth, at least one, multiple truths usually, that is revealed about God. If we believe that that Scripture is revelation, it's revealing who and how God is, and we should be able to read a passage of scripture and say this text reveals to me that God is merciful, God is just, God is patient, God is whatever attribute, but it's simply a, a stated attribute or characteristic about God. The reason I start with that is because if you fast forward to simply the implications of the text, uh, at that point we're talking about kind of the imperative um, uh, without first understanding the why, all right, and understanding if this is who God is, this is how we should respond. and. The, the the propensity we have that if we simply rush to what does this text want me to do or what does this text want me to know, then all of a sudden we're going to make it either moralistic or pragmatic, humanistic in so many different ways, and it becomes a do better, work harder you know, type of sermon. But if you define the theological precept first, then it's going to be in response to who God is. So the doctrinal truth, the next level, the doctrinal truth is how does that characteristic translate into his dealings with humanity and specifically with his people? So not just God is, fill in the blank, but God does. What does this text reveal to me that God does in interacting with his people, whether that's answer prayer, provide for their needs, whatever it may be, there's some truth that this text is revealing about God and how he interacts with humanity. Therefore, the spiritual truth is, we should dot, dot, dot. So in light of who God is and what he does, we should respond in this way, and that's going to be text-driven by that particular passage, but we should respond. And again, you can look at certain passages, and it seems like the imperative is so clear. It's a, you know, Paul telling you do this or don't do that or what have you. But if we just preach it that way without our people understanding that it's a worship response, then it becomes a works response. And so that's why if you start with theological truth and doctrinal truth, then the spiritual truth becomes um, a response of worship. And I think too many times in our preaching, we're simply looking for instruction or information. So your sixth step, apply the principles. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, that's where we unfold. And, and first, you know, we argue that you got to apply that to yourself. You know, so as the the preacher evaluates his own heart over this text, the text is combing through the tangles of sin in our own life, and, and we're asking God, God, show me where I don't line up with what this text is prescribing, what this text desires in response. And if uh, we can identify that about our own lives, then that'll translate into well, then now let me translate or or understand how I should apply those principles to our people. And that's where it becomes very context-specific, whether it's the demographics uh, that you're working with or the church you're serving or where you're preaching on a certain occasion, those types of things. Then it can be applied through those avenues and outlets. Uh, But really the application, again, begins with the life of the preacher and then flows out to the people.
0: And then your your seventh develop our plan? What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, that's where we begin to to structure the the sermon outline, if you will. Um, you know, some people even today are, you know, kind of in debate or discussion. Well, what about a narrative approach? What about, you know, does it always have to be three points in a poem type of thing? Well, by outline, I simply mean that there has to be structure. Uh, it doesn't always look like three points in a poem, but there should be mental hooks that the listeners can can identify with, whether it's in a narrative passage, the scenes unfolding. Uh, scene by scene, or whether it's in a didactic passage, it's a principle or outline or an argument uh, that the author's making. But allowing the structure of the text to then, after we've walked through these steps, to inform how we structure the sermon. But in step seven, we also uh, also describe in there um, how to then formulate a good outline, how to then preach and communicate well to where you have theological, practical, first-person plural statements that the congregation then understands come from the text, and then can respond to. So I talk about how to actually formulate a sermon and craft it. Sometimes you see that come earlier in books, preaching books, um, but I think we can be premature with that, and then all of a sudden we're forcing the text into our outline rather than allowing the the outline to flow from the text. So let me
0: try to pull this together. We have just a few moments left Mm -hmm. for the podcast. Seven steps you've talked about, and you unpack these in helpful ways in this conversation, of course, more thoroughly in your book. I guess just for you uh, and the preaching routine and discipline, how does this tend to look in your life week in and week out?
1: Yeah, um, I try to be very deliberate. I I think step one has to be one that every day that you do sermon prep, you you repeat step one, right? That's not one and done. Um, But then the other steps, um, step two and three, I think earlier on in the week that you've read over the passage multiple times, maybe even in advance. And if you're preaching expository or systematically through books of the Bible, There's already going to be permeating and kind of um, in in your heart. But reading and rereading the passage, uh, that familiarity doesn't take a lot of time. Uh, Sometimes the texts are going to unfold a lot more naturally. The main idea won't be as difficult to discover. So, steps two and three really can vary in their duration. Step four, man, you can't short circuit that. It's going to take the time, it's the homework and the hard work. It's just going to take the time that it requires. And so, usually by the middle of the week, uh, you want to maybe make it through that to where step five, six, and seven are what you're finishing up on. Obviously, my goal uh, each week is to be done by Thursday. That's ideal, but you know, ministry happens and life happens, and and that's not always uh, that can be optimistic, and that's not always realistic. Uh, but that's ideal to where Friday I'm really then combing over maybe some of the the, the details of a sermon, an illustration, uh, or maybe fleshing out some more application, and then Sunday Saturday night. Uh, kind of praying through it or, or in early Sunday morning, obviously, as well.
0: Scott, this has been so helpful. Thank you for your friendship, uh, for your preaching ministry, uh, for your most recent book, Preaching by the Book, Developing and Delivering Text-Driven Sermons, and for joining me today on Preaching and Preachers.
1: Dr. Allen, it's been a joy. I appreciate your leadership and, and all that you, God is using you to do, not only at Midwestern, but really across our convention. And I appreciate your friendship as well. It's great to get to know you and to be able to uh, do this for your listeners. You bet. Thank you for listening to Preaching and Preachers.
0: For more information, please visit my website, jasonkallen.com.